Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there! Kristen here to tell you a few things before we jump into today's heart-wrenching episode. First of all, let's talk about the episode itself, which will bring back special guest host Joanna Robinson. So get excited for that. Joanna and I equipped ourselves with tequila to ensure that we had the lubrication that we needed to move through this heartache wormhole together. Uh, And if Willow crying wasn't enough to completely undo you, don't worry, We've worked real hard to just try to completely undo you in this episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer because Jenny and I worked on this week's song in a different and pretty special way with me taking the lead on lyrics and Jenny on melody. We wrote the song from Willow's point of view and you know what that means, right? Apart from probably you had to pull over your car even with the thought of that. Uh, It also means we've cast ourselves a Willow. Singing this week's song is our friend Bess Rogers. If you don't already know Bess's music, Run, Do Not Walk. Bess Rogers is her complete name, and she rules. We've both known Bess for several years. Jenny and Bess actually went to SUNY Purchase together, and we are so honored to bring her into the buffering universe today at the end of today's episode. So many emotions. That's only the start. I have so many more things to tell you before we get into this episode. First of all, two weeks ago, we all learned that Buffy is getting a reboot. What the fuck? We know very little so far, but the few things we've learned have caused, you know, a stir on the internet, as they do. Speaking of Joanna Robinson, she and I sat down a few days after that announcement, and we made a special episode together for all of the Buffering patrons and all of the Storm of Spoilers patrons. Storm of Spoilers is one of Joanna's incredible podcasts, where Joanna and I dig in on what we know, or at that point, what we knew, how we feel, and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm sure that Jenny and I will continue to have a lot to say as things unfold. Holy crap, guys. Related to special bonus content, our patrons at the $10 or higher level also got a sweet new mailbag episode from Jenny and I this week, including a reading of an email about Mark Bluka's fan club that got Jenny giddier than I've ever seen her to date, which is saying a lot, uh, as you uh, avid listeners will know. Just a couple more things before we get into today's sob fest. Last week, I guessed it on Angel on Top. It's the episode called Room with a View. It's all about Cordelia. And oh my God, I missed her so much. Uh, I had so much fun guesting with Brittany. And I hope you all enjoy my sweet return to the arms of my personal angel, Cordelia. Speaking of Angel on Top... You might want to get on over and follow them on Twitter if you don't already. You can follow them at Angel on Topcast because this week they're picking three of their Twitter followers to win prizes, including an Angel Case Files book, uh, a Cordelia action figure. She comes with some weaponry. Hold on to your hats. And the complete DVD set of Angel, all of the seasons. So Angel on Topcast on Twitter, that giveaway will be happening this week and you can learn more over there. Last but not least, a reminder that we have a new Patreon level where you get exclusive t-shirts and enamel pins. You can learn about us, our Patreon, and our shop. There's new crop tops if you missed it last time. Over on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Are you ready? I am, Kristen. Are you ready also, Kristen? Yes, I am. Well then, let's do this. Thank you. 
Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we'll be watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free. I'm Kristen Russo. And I'm very special guest, Joanna Robinson. <laughs> I, I sent Joanna a script I want you to know that said, and I'm a special guest, and I really appreciate that you added very special because <laughs> it's true. It's true. It is true. <laughs> Uh, this week we're talking about season four, episode six, Wild at Heart. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by Jenny Owen Youngs and I recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. And today, as I mentioned up at the top of the episode, we have a song that is being sung by the incredible Bess Rogers. Wild at Heart was written by Marty Noxon and directed by David Grossman, and it originally aired on November 9th, 1999. This is the one, like, okay, IMDb says, yeah, right, (laughs) exactly. This is the one where, Uh, IMDb says, this is the one when Oz falls hard for a sexy singer, I beg to differ, who also happens to be a werewolf, he must choose between Willow and his own animal instincts. Uh, but Joanna, I agree with you. This is the one where bleh. This, bleh. Is, this is the one where literally every other note of mine is Willow, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where Seth Green didn't want to be on the show anymore. <laughs> yeah, right? Seriously. Did, was it you and I who talked about this? Because I feel like somebody gave me the insight into like where Seth Green was. Like he was in movies at this time and yeah. he wasn't getting a lot of dialogue. Was it you who told me this story? I mean, I know, I know that he left because his movie career was taking off, and that's where he thought he should be. I, I believe this way. I mean, I'm behind it. I'm behind his decision in general, but like, I really wish that we didn't have to live through this pain um, because of it. You know? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, there are ways to, in which to write off a character, and then there are ways <laughs> in which to, like feel like character assassination. And I will say that I think Buffy is like often um, not great. <laughs> writing right. off characters for actors who want to go mm. um this is this is what uh the it says on the season four dvd the writing team just had nothing for oz they were already having a hard time coming up with stuff for him to do or uh, or say in season three seth proposed to go back to a recurring character but joss thought he was too important of a character at the time to downgrade him mm. meanwhile seth was pursuing bigger roles and finally decided to leave uh, Joss had this whole arc that he wanted to stretch over the whole season, but Seth got signed for a movie, so they planned everything for him to leave sooner. Ah, I see. I mean, uh, it, like, it's there. It's the drama is there, and, like, I'm here for the drama, but I kind of agree, and, like, obviously we'll get into the, like, play-by-play of this, but the whole time, not the whole time, but half of the time, I'm like, Oz, would you do this? Like, it just Oz doesn't. wouldn't do this. That's, that's, that's what I mean, like. wouldn't. Here's what makes this episode work for me. It's entirely Allison Hannigan, 1000%. Makes yes. this episode work for me. It makes yes. this episode really affecting for me. So I don't, I'm not watching it just like shaking my head and going, ugh, this would never happen, you know. At the same time, if I step back for two seconds and think about it, I'm like, I don't think Oz would ever do this. Uh, they did, like, it's a, it's a clever way to try to come up, you know, with a way to explain. Uh, uncharacteristic behavior in him uh it's the wolf taking over like whatever you know sure but i just there are there are moments in this episode and we'll get to them where i'm just like no oz wouldn't do that i'm sorry same um same so, so that's it's frustrating um like i said like it's it's fine for me when an actor wants to leave a show it's fine for me when the plot has to bend in order to accommodate that but with this instance and an instance that we'll talk about several years from now, um, 
I don't think the show really rose to meet the occasion uh, in the same. I mean, I, 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 I actually even feel like Angel leaving to have his own spinoff show at the end of season three. That reason doesn't really ring true to me. And right. what ends up happening in all of those cases, uh, and like I said, one of those will remain a mystery. <laughs> it's like it, it creates this recurring narrative on Buffy. And I, I can apply to every single character, male character that I can think of. All the men leave. <laughs> You know, yeah. and that's like, that's a, that's an okay thematic thing that like, you know, Buffy's dad, like Buffy feels abandoned by her dad to a certain degree. So like, it kind of makes sense for me that like, you know, she, she keeps encountering this um, from men she knows, but like, I, I still, I just don't feel like Oz would do this. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's a very minor character, but I was trying, I was talking to a friend of mine today and I was like, is there any male character on Buffy who hasn't like let you down basically or whatever? And she was, she gave me a name and like, I'm going to say it. And then you could edit this out if you feel like, okay, okay, I'm okay, just going to say it <laughs> and we can move on. She said, Clem. Oh, Clem. And I was like, great, perfect answer. Yes, that is, <laughs> I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, I yeah. don't, I don't know that that's a spoiler, right? Like, what yeah. is, it? is it? I don't know. We'll decide. Clem we'll decide is not in... even a, Clem is not even a twinkle in this show's eye yet. So I don't, totally. I don't um, think it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh God. I cannot wait until Clem is a twinkle in our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So let's get into this episode so we can get to these parts that you and I want to eviscerate. It sounds like together. Um, yeah. So the I love this like cold open or whatever we call the part before the credits um, because whatever there's this like chase she leaves a vamp off the fucking thing she makes a pun she's like you don't get my puns like I'm so my puns are so underappreciated but then really the reason that I like this this uh, opening scene Joanna is because I forgot that here you are again and here Spike yeah. is again we get Spike in the fucking the pre credits open. Yeah, I wonder uh, if some of your listeners may be watching through for the first time, like we're watching this and we're like, oh, it's a Spike episode. Psych! <laughs> it's definitely not. Um, <laughs> but, oh, no, but I really, really <laughs> I really love this moment because, like, you know, James Marsters is just like doing this over the fucking top, grandiose <laughs> villain, you know little girl like all of his shit and then he just gets like undercut and taste and even though i knew that was coming i was like as i was watching i was like this is great this is great this right is great. yeah so. yeah and i feel like i didn't know who wrote this episode when i was watching it uh and then then when i put the, our little notes together and saw that marty knox and read it i was like okay yeah 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 because like the big bad is back and this time taze is like a line that is like super simple but just lands so well so right spike is up spike is down that's the last we see of spike like, uh, and then we go into the episode after the credits and we go to the bronze. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Joanna, because this brought up feelings for me because they're like sitting around the table and they're having this conversation about like, why are we back here? Like, you know, we're in college now, but we're back here. And Willow is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like this big, comfy blanket. And it made me remember what it was like to go away to college and come back and like visit your old haunts. Like you felt like I, like in my memory of myself at that age, I feel like I acted like I was an old woman, you know? And I was like, boy, don't I remember <laughs> spending time at Denny's, you know? <laughs> oh, the old Denny's is still here. Uh, the chicken fingers aren't as crispy as I remember. But right? <laughs> yeah, when you started to say this, Kristen, 
I was like, well, I know that Kristen was a lot cooler than I was in high school. And I, I don't think I had any haunts. And then you were like, Denny's. I was like, oh, no, we went to Denny's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can hang with this conversation. We would go to Denny's <laughs> until like three in the morning or whatever. Yeah. You and I are the same exact kind of cool, Joanna. Where <laughs> we grew up at Denny's and now we make podcasts. So. <laughs> I think we're we're of the yeah. same. Yeah, my old haunts, uh, Denny's. Uh, yeah, yeah. To to go to old places, and I, I to be honest with you, I still do that. I was thinking about that today. Like, I um, I live, you know, still live in the Bay Area, Northern California, where I grew up. But I live in Oakland, and I grew up sort of in the North Bay. That doesn't make sense to anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> point being, oh, let's just say I live like uh, twenty to forty minutes away from where I grew up. Sometimes I just go over there to do errands because it feels more familiar, even though we have all the same stores here in Oakland. <laughs> it's just a thing I do sometimes. It's like um, nostalgia. So, yeah. It's my my warm, comfy blankie of yes. like the car wash or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, does <laughs> Does Giles ever show up at the car wash with you? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, lattes are on me. And I'm like, great, Giles. Thanks. <laughs> oh, this like Giles shit. It's like, this is a kind of thing where um, you watch. I didn't watch the series as a young person, but I, I think, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of us uh, here in the, in the buffering universe did and then are mm -hmm. watching it again as adults. And I feel like this is a scene that would have been lost on me had I watched it in high school or college, uh, but really hit me in all the feels when Giles like sits down with the young people and it's like it's been ages since I've been to a gig and they're all like it's really oh, brave wow. that you're here um I like that Oz defends Giles record collection like yeah we talked before about how Oz feels about uh, the record collection but yeah like everything that Anthony Stewart head does in this episode he's like desperate bored loneliness mm -hmm. is delightful to me um yeah. Yeah, and also I I think you and you and Jenny had a couple conversations about this already, but like this concept of townie is one I definitely learned about from this season of Buffy because I was definitely a freshman oh. in college. I I, I paced the show as I said before, so like I was a freshman in college when this came out. Mm -hmm. So like whenever Xander refers to himself as a townie, which I think it like comes up the most probably in Beer Bad, but like it you know is a thing for him this season. That was like my entire context for the concept of townie was was xander that's what i think of when i think of townie and he says it again in this opening scene and i just sort of want to like maybe make that a season four drinking game every time xander refers to himself as townie Ooh, you get to, you that's get to good that's drink. good and and you and i uh both have tequila with us right now we do so i can so drink let, for townie let's drink drink cheers. for townie cheers <laughs> to you cheers then i'm glad we just took a drink joanna uh, yeah. Because now we're gonna um, leave Giles and cut to Veronica. Uh, Veronica. Veruca. Veruca. Yeah. Uh, Veruca, who uh, Jenny and I talked about a little bit at Beer Bad. I want you to know that for a live audience of like 250 people, we said Veruca and they all booed. So I think collectively we're all in the same place here with Veruca and how we feel it about is Veruca. There's a lot of bad shit that happens on Buffy Vampire Slayer. Yeah. There's a lot of evil people on this show. I think Veruca is my least favorite character. Ooh. Uh, no, not that she's a bad character. Uh, no, I, but I, like. I, and and well-performed. I have a visceral hatred yes. uh, for every single thing she does. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm on record. Uh, not like this is a revolutionary thought. I'm on record as loving Willow and Oz so much. Mm -hmm. So this like 
sexy little what is um Ugh. Buffy collar like Kel Fiona or whatever yes be like a like a faithful friend to Willow a uh, wedge in between uh I hate her yeah I hate her so. I hate her I hate her right along with you and yeah. I just like uh, this first moment because uh, we talked about her last episode and how she's sort of like swallowing the microphone and like tilting her neck at all sorts of angles. In this first uh, moment we have with Baruka, she picks up her left leg for no reason. She just picks up her entire left leg while singing. And I just like can't. I can't with her body movements and I can't with her lyrics. Every lyric she sings is like, I can feel you twist. Like, what are uh- you... Why? The first lyric, which I've written down in all caps, <laughs> is dip a finger in me. Mm. Fuck you, Veruca, go home. I hate you. Oh, my God. I want everybody to know that that would have been a guttural <laughs> scream, but I had just taken a giant swig of tequila. <laughs> that was like a tequila scream. It was a tequila. <laughs> yeah, it was a tequila scream. Um, but I'm glad that I had a little bit of tequila for that moment because, oh, fucking hell. And that that moment, I'm sure that you and I will have many more opportunities for guttural screams because there are so many more moments like that with her as this episode goes on. So... Um, I, I can't tell if, like, she's supposed to have some kind of, like, pheromone or something like that right. because, like, the fact that, like, Giles and Xander, I mean, Xander, whatever, but the fact that Giles <laughs> is sort of, like, captivated by her, too, like, yeah, um, and not in, like, a purely academic way, but in sort of, like, yeah, like, a mesmerized kind of way makes me feel like she's got some sort of, like, wolfy pheromone thing that she's she's working in this room. I, I But agree. I was, like, <laughs> I wrote down, uh, like, I'm sometimes hard on the kind of friend that Buffy is. I feel like it's often all about her. But I wrote down, she eye, she eye fucks Oz in a way that even Buffy notices. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy, we finally found what can, like, shake Buffy out of her self-absorbed <laughs> state. <laughs> and it's the way Oz looks at Veruca, which is yeah. totally not okay. But, yeah, not I okay. agree. I do think that they make a play here for, like, I mean, it, it kind of um, not reminded me of, because that sounds like this preceded the other thing, but it made me think a lot about our, our um, Twilight werewolves, you know, the imprinting whole yeah, thing. Yeah, the imprinting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is, like, a precursor to that. And, like, you know, you want so desperately in this episode to excuse Oz's behavior, so I feel like I'm also just, like, clinging to any hope that, like, well, it was a chemical. There was a chemical situation that was happening. It was affecting everybody, but... Oh, just generally speaking, fuck you, Veruca, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I w- oh, speaking of like wanting to defend people or not defending people, mm-hmm. um, I, I do want to really quickly say I watched Beer Bad before I watched this today, and um, I hadn't seen it. I, Beer Bad is not one of the ones that I ever rewatch, <laughs> uh, so I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I forgot that Parker tries to pull that shit with Willow. And when Ugh. he does when he does, and Willow's reaction is so great because she's the best. When he did, I was like, man, I, I think you cut out uh, and wisely so some of the like weird, feeble Parker Parker, like Ben for the doubt I was trying to give him uh in the episode, last episode I was on. You were probably like, that's quite enough, Joanna. Thank you. Um <laughs> but I still enough of me sort of like caveating him or whatever made it in that like when I watched Beer Bad, I was like, no, this dude just sucks. Mm-hmm. So uh I apologize. I retract everything that I said and yeah. Uh but I'm glad that we could see you through your full Parker arc. Your your full My par- park park park. <laughs> Oh, so we cut from this like 
gross, horrible Veruca introduction to this really cute, sweet, like snuggly scene between Oz and Willow, which of course is here so that our hearts can break all the more. I think that's the purpose of this scene. Do you agree? Um, I do. This is my favorite Willow line of all time, which is her fake sleeping all Gemini's <laughs> with the raspberry hats. <laughs> it is my favorite Willow line. All uh, <laughs> hmm. Gemini's to the raspberry hats. Not a faggot. Yum, yum. When she's trying to be as cute as possible in her fake sleep uh, stupor. Yeah. I think it sets us up for the very important dichotomy of this episode, which is Willow feeling like her relationship is one that is steeped in like a cute love familial place and that she's being threatened by something that's outside of that, which is like a purely sexual thing. Right. Like that's like. Right. Her, he's her comfy blanket person. Yeah. And he says shit like the only thing I mind is being away from you for three nights, which is adorable. But it's sort of like uh, a little infantilizing. Right. You know, and it's just right. sort of. Uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. But yeah, like that she has like this cute uh, high school relationship yeah. with him and they're in college now. And what does that look like? But I, I, I like it. But at the same time, like once again, I can see this arc playing out over an entire season rather than let's cram Oz saying, I thought I was your comfy blanket person and like this other stuff, like in back to back scenes, like that he swings so wildly. But what you can, you know, cause he's like, what you could say is that he's overcompensating cause he knows that something's wrong and he's like, you know, giving that extra effort of cute to her right. in order to mask this other thing. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I like, I think part of me saw like echoes of all of my past relationships um, in the like, you know, when you get to that place where you're just like comfortable and, and Willow has this, like, she's, she's not talking like a kid, but she's kind of talking like a kid, you know, she's baby and, talking. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like this whole episode is kind of this line of like the comfortability of their relationship yeah. And and like any relationship that hits like a longer period of time, granted it's Willow and Willow has a very particular breed of like innocence and what have you. But I do think that this is something that that happens in like any relationship that's a long term relationship where you get comfortable and then like what happens when somebody else isn't comfortable, you know, and like they're just there because they're like, I'm a werewolf and we should fuck in the woods. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Veruca, I hate you. Sorry. Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> you, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to just bring this up here. Uh, Joanna, before we started taping, you had a, a dream. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't know if I can make the dream come true, but why don't you tell us what your dream is? And then hopefully I can make it true for us. Um, I had a dream that uh, there would be a Veruca jingle of <laughs> not the first hate jingle on this show, but you know, Maybe the most uh, passionate one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hate Jingle. So like we, we brought you Go Away Riley. Why not bring you Fuck Off Veruca or whatever your, whatever your Veruca, Veruca, I want to nuke you. Okay, so we go to school. Um, Buffy is doing really well in class. 
which is a, a turn. Weird. It's not a, a side of Buffy we've seen. And Willow is jealous, mm-hmm. which I love. <laughs> and then uh, there's this. I know. It's just like heavy side that precedes every Veruca scene. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what this made me think of. I say like I, I wrote down that Oz is at least smart enough to be hesitant to sit with her. Right. To say immediately that Willow's coming. Like all this sort of stuff. So he's not like completely blind to the danger sure. of what's happening here, right? But Veruca goes into what we now thinks to Gillian Flynn's novel, uh, Gone Girl, can think of as like the cool girl thing, mm. where she's like, I just love to eat. I don't like girls who are like, ooh, does that have dressing on it? And I'm like, listen, I am pro eating. Everyone should eat whatever right. you want to eat. But like this whole like, yeah, I eat burgers because I'm a cool girl thing. I'm like, mm, go, go away, Veruca. Don't right? Like you yeah. don't have to. Well, and here's like the lesson in there is you don't have to like fucking tear other girls down for their fucking choices just to make yeah. yourself look sexy, Veruca. Ugh. So, yeah, I mean, this is like this is like the first bit of us seeing like Veruca's real true self of that. She's just going for it. Like she's predator Veruca. You know, she, what are you yeah. going to do? Sit on the ground like I can't. And and this scene also, I think, is the first time when this like character assassination shit gets weird stuff happens. So Oz sits down and they start talking about music. And he's like, like you said, he's like, my girlfriend's coming and, and she does. And she sits down. Also, just a side note, like Veruca is hunched over in a way that I don't understand. Just like, well, I don't understand why she sits the way she does. <laughs> Maybe she did some like um, animal work, you know, like actors do. And she's like, this is the wolf in me. This is how yes. wolves sit when they eat their meat. So that's how I'll sit. Uh, oh, very possible. But like, and I, I want to talk about it, like a couple of, of other things in this in this scene. But the thing that seems really fucked up to me for Oz is that when he gets uncomfortable, he just leaves. Like he does That's not awful. take care of Willow at all in this scene. You at, like at all for any moment. Well, okay. So yeah, I have, I, I, I feel split on it. Cause I was like, is he okay. nice here? Reassuring her. Cause he says like, she, she thinks they're talking about all this. They're talking about amps, whatever. Simple mistake. Right. They said hound dog. I'm with Willow. I would have been like, sure. <laughs> sure. Stole that song from a black person but like um and and so Oz does say like oh no we're talking about amps but I understand it gets confusing and I'm like is he being nice is he being condescending I can't tell and yeah he doesn't he just bails on her and he would never do that as Willow goes so goes my nation yes I don't think that this is what uh Oz would do and so I I hate it and I hate that, you know, like, he leaves, Veruca leaves. Uh, like, he leaves her with Veruca. He leaves like, her, he leaves her with Veruca. Like, what? in what universe do you not, like, our Oz, the Oz that we know, would be yeah. like, Willow, do you want to go, like, talk about that homework thing that you needed? Like, he's, if Oz is nothing if not quick-witted, you know, like, Oz yeah. is nothing if not able to get himself out of this situation in a way where he takes Willow with him. Yeah. And he doesn't. He leaves her there. And then, of course, Veruca is like, I guess I got to go, too. Good shirt. And she says it in this shit way. And this is... Uh, it's right. It's like, I, I almost said it's the most heartbreaking moment of the episode. It's not. It's not. But but it's really up there for me because we've seen Willow wear whatever the fuck Willow wants to wear for, like, 3.6 seasons. 3 point whatever <laughs> the measurement is seasons. At this point, and, like, never really doubt herself and just like boldly wear what no person has ever worn before. And to see her 
hear this comment from Veruca and then have Buffy sit down and say, like, why did you let me leave like this? I look like a clown is good. Or like a crazy birthday cake. And Buffy like doesn't make okay, it entirely right. better because she's like, I thought that was like what you were going for. <laughs> Buffy, I'm like, people with shitty bandanas cannot throw stones, Buffy. But like, um, but what I was going to say is like the last time someone said something like this to her, I think is in the pilot when Cordelia's like, Yes. Jabs her for like finding the softer side of Sears, yes. right? And uh, like, I don't think I'm. Please forgive me, and I know your listeners will know better than I do. I don't think we've seen this, and I don't think yet. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say, but there is a fantasy or dream sequence at some point on Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Willow flashes back from like her, you know, like Coolidge, cooler college self to like that exact like wearing corduroy rompers like yeah. from the pilot sort of look. And so that's obviously like a, a sore point for her of yes. like, you know, you know, it's like the equivalent of flashing back to yourself in like braces or something like, like this is her ugly duckling sore point. And so right. to, to have like Veruca press right on that wound, Ugh. I'm just like, oh, I want to nuke you, Veruca. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's pretty cheesy. I'm thinking yeah. about it. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. And then the, the other thing that I really want to talk about in this scene, which I think is really cool, like this, this show has already, and, and you've been here for some of these conversations. Joanna has already done some really cool things with like conversations around relationships and and sex and like we're growing together with them as they go through high school and enter college but Buffy and Willow have a really cool conversation here of course it, it <laughs> as we all know it it backfires horribly but before we get to the like horrible things in this episode they have this conversation about the fact that Oz has Oz might have feelings for somebody else or like you know like be looking attraction at, yeah, attraction yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. And I love their awareness in this because I wasn't uh, this aware in college like this, the awareness of the fact that you can be in a relationship and love somebody and have attractions to other people was not something that like came onto my plate till much later. And so I really appreciate the fact that the two of them are having this conversation and that Buffy is really leading the charge of being like, you know, Willow, you have, you know, you look at other people too. And Oz isn't this person who's going to leave you. Uh, you can have, you can be attracted to other people, of course, uh, without it being a threat. Uh, which is true, which is don't let this episode be your be your meter. That is true. Uh, it goes horribly wrong, of course, in this episode. But I just I, I thought it was cool that at this age they were there having that conversation. And we'll get to this. But like there's a Xander advice scene where yes. Xander gives like stellar advice. And I'm like, who's here with the good advice this episode? You know? Right. Yes. I have yeah. several X's with exclamation points after them uh, for, for when I get really excited about Xander's advice later too. But I guess it's like if Oz has to be the shittiest version of himself, like let's let Buffy and Xander be like the best versions of themselves. Yes, you know? that's true. That's true. If we, if we lose one of our, uh, one of the pieces of our backbone, we really need yeah. to pull up the other pieces. Mm hmm. So then I have a little side note, which is just, what is this cage? Because I, I believe this is the first time we see this cage. Where the, where the fuck are we? What is this cage? What happened? He's, it's like under, he's in a mausoleum. <laughs> and I says, my notes say, that cage, frankly, looks unsound. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most fucking rusty rim shackle cage I've ever been in. And even if I had never seen this episode, as soon as he walked in, I'm like, well, that's not lasting the night. Like, right. what is that? It's like everything. <laughs> It's like every piece of the cage is made of like a different kind of pole. Like they're all like it's mismatched. Like a, <laughs> it's like a spooky mansion cage. Like what is this thing? <laughs> it really is. Like I for a minute thought we were at Angel's house. You know, like this right. is the cage. 
that would be at Angel's Mansion, 100%. Uh, it actually reminded me of in the alternate dimension, in the wish dimension, when Angel's in the like cage basement. Like That were the feelings that I got from this weird, weird cage that we don't, we never learn anything about. Nope. So I just want to take a moment and let you know, there's a whole scene here, but I only have a few notes and I feel like it really <laughs> sums it up pretty well because my notes are uh, Oz is loose, nice jacket, Professor Walsh, two werewolves, <laughs> what? And then just know where the O's slowly devolve into straight lines and, and, and to fill up the rest of the page. <laughs> that's where i went um you and jenny did such a good job of breaking down the like a- initial appearance of the werewolf on buffy vampire slayer <laughs> i was wondering if you could give me some of your thoughts on the the she-wolf, <laughs> she-wolf. <laughs> i just oh can we get through this episode without playing a clip of, of she-wolf by shakira no we can't so <laughs> let's just play a real quick thank you <laughs> The She-Wolf, I will say, I do give the She-Wolf um, like two more points. If the if the scale is, uh, you know, if the, if the measurement scale is like one out of a thousand, I give the She-Wolf two more points uh, than, than the Oz-Wolf. <laughs> I, just... I feel like the She-Wolf has been doing like some deep conditioning on one yes! of the three nights out of the month yes! and then possibly applied a flat iron to her pelt. The, the uh... She-Wolf 100% has a flat iron. I agree with you wholeheartedly wholeheartedly yeah she's got like a vo5 hot oil treatment that she does on her her mane uh so that she looks glossy and ready to go uh three nights out of the month oh it's like it's like it's akin to like when you have a baby and you're like my baby is a girl so i'm gonna put <laughs> slap like, a pink uh, bow yes, on pink. her bald head <laughs> They're like, how do we let the audience know that this is a she-wolf? I know we're going to straighten her hair and make it a little more blonde. Give it a little body, you know? Yeah. It's glossy. She tosses it around. She, she does. Like, yeah. 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 So this all happens. Uh, you know, props to, to Maggie Walsh for just sort of like being like, oh, you know what? <laughs> just get up. Step out of here and go. Bye-bye. Um, you know, they wake up, they're naked, they're covered in scratches. And I, uh, you know, she says, you know what I am? You've noticed since the first time you saw me, which I like, mm. I kind of, kind of like that line. I kind of believe it. Um, yeah. And then, but then when they like move this operation to the dorm laundry room where they're stealing clothing, uh, she, she keeps saying all this shit. And the note I have written down is, she sex purrs all the time. I hate her. Yes. yes. Every line is like a is like a little moan and like I just despise her. And that's so, the thing is yeah. it's like a little too much. It's just a little maybe no, that's a lie. It's a lot too much for me with her because she doesn't have another Actually, one of my notes in this scene is could couldn't they make her likable at all? Like couldn't they like wasn't it possible? To, wouldn't it have been, and, and I, I, I love to hate her, but like, wouldn't it have been possible to write this episode where we didn't have to hate her so much? Where it was like, w- there was a conflict of like, fuck, like, there's this other werewolf, and like, Oz is like all fucked up because of chemicals, and like, she doesn't even mean to, whatever. But, but instead, but that's what 
I think that's the nuance you would have gotten with like a full season arc. Right. And then like let's jam it into like mid season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like the first quarter of the season. But that's yeah, like fair. I feel like we could have gotten to know Veruca as like, you know, a fully dimensional character, not just some like cleavage sex bomb to, to <laughs> right. borrow a description for another character you know um yeah some dimensionality to her and like it, it, there is you know they mention in beer bad and i know you guys talked about this but the, but in beer bad um like the description of ruka is like you know dresses like dresses like faith and like mm. she doesn't dress exactly like faith obviously but like she's got some faith stuff about her she this does. sort of like you know, especially later when she talks about like how she gets all like buzzy right before she transforms. So like that reminds me a lot of Faith talking about like, you know, the high she gets after slaying and stuff like that. And so like Faith, yeah. whom you guys like love, Faith is this kind of figure done well where she's like super sexualized, but like um has humanity to her core to her. And like she like Faith gets seduced by the like ability to kill people and like all this sort of stuff, but she's conflicted and like it would be nice to have that in Veruca hopefully it wouldn't feel too much like a faith retread, but it would be nice to have that in Veruca, some dimensionality, but it really just feels to me like they didn't have time to do that. And that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really solid point. Yes, of course. I, and I saw that too and noticed that too, um, the parallels between Veruca and faith, which probably the audience is so mad at, at me for, or us for comparing them, but, but they, they are, they are here. And I guess Veruca just doesn't get the time, but oh, this is faith. This is faith done shittily. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, I think, um, I don't think it's an insult to Faith to say that. I just think, like, okay, Faith is a character done well. Mm-hmm. Faith is a character, at least with just, like, a lot of different things going on. Yeah. And different modes. Whereas Veruca has, like, three episodes, if you conclu- include, like, a cameo. So basically, like, yeah. I don't know, an episode and a half, let's say, to, yeah. like, make an impression and be gone. Yeah. You know, and make such an important impression that, like, she throws a wrench in a really foundational relationship in the show. Totally. And that's, like, it's just, it's. I don't think you can do it in an episode and a half. And I think that that's, like, um, I understand that there are external factors, but, like, that's just, that's why... That's why we have this visceral hate for her because there's just nothing else. There's no other there there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Totally. Oh, there's no other there there. Very well said. Um, my my practical questions about this scene. Uh, well, my practical question, and then I have a couple of other things I want to talk about. But um, they walk naked to the laundromat. Is that what we are to believe? They stand up in the woods and they walk naked. And the sun was up. I was like, what time is it? Because right? like, it, it wasn't. The sun was up. Not even in like a gray like pre-dawn sort of way, but like yeah, sun fully up in the woods. What time is it? <laughs> that a the a the laundry room is deserted for sure, and b they could scamper there naked the whole way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just want to like if any of you got any pics of Oz and Veruca on the uh. way to the laundromat, <laughs> let us know. Let us streak, know. Streak, streak, streak. Um, <laughs> and I do like that Oz is just putting on whatever. And Veruca has found, like, sexy black yes. underwear that fits her perfectly. Yes. <laughs> that is one of my other notes. That Veruca has been, like, going through lo- the going through the washers and dryers. And she's like, oh, I'll just put on this old thing. And it's a fully, like, form-fitting, perfectly, like, lace black lingerie set. And, yeah. um, Joanna, I, I want to say that I, I want to find out what Kate Leth thinks about uh, this ensemble if you will uh, from Veruca and I I don't know yet what the fashion watch is going to be but what I do know is that Kate said 
it's going to be mostly about Veruca. And then I watched the episode and I was like, but Kate, Veruca's naked the whole time. So let's just take a moment, go over to our, our very favorite Kate Leth and see what she has to say uh, in our fashion watch this week. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Well, welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch and to another of my all-time favorite episodes because I love to hurt emotionally. I often think that season four is my least favorite because I hate the overarching plot and the big bad and Riley is essentially a sack of potatoes with abs, but there really are some bangers, this one included. In rewatching this episode, I realized sort of for the first time how much Buffy and its sensibilities and the way it dealt with issues made me want to be a writer. And you would think this is something I'd thought of before, and maybe it has been subconsciously, but I really, I don't know, it hit me. I cry every single time I watch this episode. Allison Hannigan's performance is so raw and so vulnerable and real. It's like in between the goofy werewolf makeup and the sort of heartless seductress trope, there's an incredibly sincere story here about realizing that you're losing something and there is nothing you can do about it. It's really painful and really honest and it's one thing that Buffy excels at so much that I think other shows that tap into the genre don't always get. It's something I've always tried to put into my work, whether I realized it or not. Something real, something tangible, something hard to talk about or hard to pin down. And expressing that in between all the candy, all the aliens, all the whatever. And I have to say, Wild at Heart is an incredible example of that. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm right. And obviously, I'd like to talk about Veruca. Her Shirley Manson vibes, one of my first crushes that lasts to this day, and her silver eyeshadow, the little nick in her eyebrow, her abundance of leather pants and sheer tops. She's presented as this polar opposite to Willow, even though doppelgangland Willow wears twice as much leather and is way more badass, except for the one part in the episode where she's wearing jean bell bottoms, which takes away a little bit of her cred. But how can we not talk about Veruca when there's not really much else in this episode to talk about fashion-wise? Buffy wears a headkerchief that is truly awful and also something I definitely did in the sixth grade. And other than that, you know, she has some pretty cute hairstyles and a nice sundress, but it's Veruca. It's all about Veruca here. She appears. She disappears. She changes everything. We're coming up to my favorite episode in the entire series in a couple of weeks. And before that, we're taking a little stop off in Holiday Land. But until then, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Thank you, Kate, uh, for for that wonderful fashion launch. We love you, as, as always. More and more each episode, truly. Um... Joanna, something else I want to talk about uh, also is this, what happens in this scene, and we've talked about it a little bit already in our conversation, but this is the scene where this, I've already used the word dichotomy, but it comes up that like, are you a wolf for three days or are you a wolf all the time? Which is, reminds me of Beauty and the Beast, right? Like, what's the monster and what's the yeah. man? It's the, sure. the same theme is coming up again. And Oz in this 
scene has a line that makes my heart break, which is where like Baruch is like, you know, you know, you shouldn't be in a cage and blah 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 blah, and then Oz, <laughs> and Oz is like, no, I know where I belong, and that's the Oz that we know, right? Like that's the uh, yeah, yes, that's that's true. He does know where he belongs. I don't know what happens to him in this episode. And then he goes, and then he says. <laughs> This is the most feeble thing I think I've ever heard anyone say, which is like, she goes, you should be free or whatever she says. He says, she says, and then he goes, free to kill people. I won't do that. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. Oh, always convincing our Oz, you know, you, got a lot of arguments behind him. <laughs> you should maybe not kill people. Don't do that. Think about not doing that. So, uh, so then brief. Aside to this wonderful scene between Professor Walsh and Buffy, where Professor Walsh is really dramatic and she's like, I was attacked by wild dogs. Like, were you? Because I feel like we just watched the scene and I'm pretty sure you weren't attacked. I'm pretty sure you saw a wild dog uh, and I'm pretty sure that it just found another wild dog and then you ran away. Um, I have I, a note for you here. Yes, please. Uh, it says, Go away, Riley. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that setup. I also feel like Walsh is like that thing where there's a character that voices for the audience where she's like, I think it was a dog, but it might have been a gorilla. And what I say to you is, I agree with you, Professor Walsh. These costumes could be better. We're not <laughs> sure. I'm One of them sure. had a flat iron. That's all I can tell you for sure. One of dog or gorilla. One of them was glossier than the other. <laughs> Oh God! Oh no! Okay, so here comes a scene I hate. This is this episode is full of scenes that I hate. But Willow comes in in her leather pants, and now like we should have been playing like bingo for like every character, every female character that wears leather pants after Faith, <laughs> and then uh, we could check off Willow in this moment. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Right. She walks in in leather pants, and this is like this episode really highlights I think the the vulnerable and I've talked about it already but like the vulnerability of sex and like somebody yeah. else that you love is desiring someone else and then you try to make your play which is what's happening here like Willow's like but look I'm wearing leather pants and like we should have sex now and the worst thing that could ever happen when you're feeling insecure about your own sexuality and your own desirability is that you proposition the person you love and trust and in that moment they say, no, I don't want to right now, which is heartbreaking to witness here with Willow. The sad part is when she tries to like replicate the like morning. Well, there's a lot of sad parts, but the part where she tries to replicate like the previous morning when she's like, so busy, busy in here, like pulls his hand up to like do the little gesture. Like, uh. remember, we've got cute stuff that we do. And like, so Oz doesn't want to for a number of reasons, right? Like A, yeah. his body's covered in scratches. If she saw that, like something, she would know something's up. Be like, uh, you know, he. I don't think he showered since he last had sex, and, <laughs> right? Um, so, like, that's not a thing that you're gonna want to do. And then, see, you know, like his mind is is preoccupied with what's going on. Here are my notes. <laughs> um, I'm ready for him. Hi, Oz. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> 
Number one, tell her the truth. If not, number two, just go down on her. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> he could have helped her feel, like, yes. sexy and desirable without giving the game away. Um, yeah. But, like, he shouldn't, I mean, he should tell her the truth. Like, that's what he should do. Yes. But, like, if he's going to be, like, shitty and not tell her the truth, like, at least do that for her yeah. so that she doesn't walk out of there in her little leather pants feeling, like, completely undesirable. Totally. Also, I want to note for your younger viewers... <laughs> <laughs> listeners, I always say that your younger listeners. Um, Oz's reading was called a newspaper. <laughs> Later, Xander will be reading what's called a newspaper. Yeah, the, a lot they of newspapers to, in this used, episode. It's a newspaper heavy episode. They used to put the news on paper and print and it, would, and you would read it, and that's how you would found, find out if anyone was maimed in a wild dog attack the night before. <laughs> yes, and you'd get the, the ink on your fingers while reading sure it. Oh, it was a whole it's experience. A, I, miss, I miss it. I do miss it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think I, I do understand why Oz would, would have not engaged in any sexual activity of any kind because you don't know where it's going to go and you don't want to... Sure, he's sure. feeling... Yeah, I get it, but he would have told her. He would have told her. The Oz we know would have yeah. told her. Absolutely. And I, I beg of anyone to send me a damn email explaining why Oz would not have done that because... It's just, it's ridiculous to me. And, and that's all my notes is, why aren't you telling her? Why are you being so weird? Why are you doing this? I got very angry during this scene. Um, my, yeah, my, my go down on her note is not like really real, but it yeah. kind of is. Cause I'm like, if your main excuse is like, I smell like sex and I'm covered in scratches, mm -hmm. there are still options available to you. Yeah. Uh, but mostly tell her the truth. That's right. the sexiest thing you could do in this moment, actually. Yes, so, yeah. agree. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Then we get to maybe <laughs> yeah. my favorite part of the episode. Yes, please. Which is Giles watching Jeopardy, but obviously they did not have the licensing to actually do Jeopardy because it's not Jeopardy. It's like very close to the theme and not Alex Trebek doing the announcing <laughs> yes. on that clip that we don't see. But Giles says, Giles like gets the answer, is very mad at the morons who don't get the answer. And then he says, that dinette set should be mine. <laughs> so these have been your furthering adventures of Giles' so sad and lonely oh it's good also that's kind of like uh just a few weeks ago i posted a photo of one of our listeners who was on jeopardy uh just this past april and wore our smash the demon lizard oh! patriarchy tank top underneath you can't like if you watch the episode you don't know it's there but, oh. but this person oh. right but this person <laughs> sent us their reveal they wore it underneath their button-up and their vest and oh uh came in second place on jeopardy uh so this is like a, a little uh buffering buffy crossover moment 
moment here where we get Giles watching Jeopardy just weeks after we posted a Jeopardy post on our socials. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Giles is right. So excited to see Buffy. This is like continuing the theme of Giles being so bored and not knowing what to do with himself. He wants things to go wrong in Sunnydale so that he has a purpose. Uh, and, you know, whatever. We love Giles. Um, I used to watch Jeopardy every single night um, with my family uh, over dinner. And, did did uh, you continue on to Wheel of Wait was Wheel of Fortune before or after Jeopardy? After we would not watch Wheel of Fortune after. I think it actually depends what market you were in, but mm. in our market, Wheel of Fortune was after. We did not watch Wheel of Fortune after, but we watched Jeopardy every single night. Um, it be, it was like a competition. Yes. In my family, where everyone would like sort of try to yell out answers first and stuff like that. Uh, and like one of the best parts about growing up was when you like just started to get as good as your parents at Jeopardy, <laughs> and you're like, yes. <laughs> I I did watch some Jeopardy, but I have to say that my heart was with Wheel of Fortune. I still have dreams of being on Wheel of Fortune. But I since you you didn't watch Wheel of Fortune, but there was always like one person on Wheel of Fortune who was definitely able to get the answers, but just would always spin bankrupt. Like that they just would land on bankrupt. And I knew that if I was ever the person to go on Wheel of Fortune, I would be that person. That I would like know the answers, but it wouldn't matter because I would keep landing on bankrupt. <laughs> So that's my Wheel of Fortune truth, Joanna. You, you've heard it here first. I believe that you're lucky enough to not land on bankrupt. I think <sighs> that, yeah. Well, there's only one way to find out. Get me on Wheel of Fortune. You know. <laughs> also, I'm looking at the photos of Ariel on uh, Jeopardy. Right? Ariel looks amazing. It's so, so cute, right? Yeah. I, know, I love it. Um, okay, so now we get to our, my ex exclamation points. My Xander scene, uh, our Xander scene, where Xander is really... Really giving great advice and being such a good friend to Willow. This uh, is good advice, nine question marks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Xander just growing leaps and bounds. And this teaches If you're us doing it, I think you should be able to say it. Yes, yes Xander. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly. I have two quotes, right? <laughs> and I, I'm sure you have the same. If you're doing it, I think you should be able to say it. And have you asked Oz about it? Like, have uh, you just, you need to talk about it. That's and, not my second quote. My Sarah, my and, second quote says, Sarah McLaughlin kind of. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's good. You know, because uh, when you, when you really like want to get down with your partner and you just, and you know, it's just like the winter is cold right? and bitter. <laughs> Oh, God, I I can't wait until we finish the entire series and I put together the compilation of just Joanna singing Sarah McLaughlin on our podcast. (laughs) I'll try to work it into every episode. Please, please, please. And listeners, please, please do your due diligence and help me by uh, grabbing the timestamps of every time Joanna sings Sarah McLaughlin for us so that in four years when I'm ready to put together the compilation, one wonderful listener will be like, here's all the moments. But yeah, well, I miss I miss my opportunity to sing like in the arms of the angels, right? Because like we're no longer talking about angel on this podcast. Well, you're doing on your companion podcast. I think I think that I think that moment might come to you, Joanna. You know, like Mm -hmm. don't don't count your chickens before they've hatched or whatever. What I wanted to say about Xander is I feel like this is because Xander is not going to college. And Xander is still learning and growing. And I feel like this is a really important thing to note that like you don't you don't need to go to college to grow and learn as a person, which I feel Xander is exemplifying for all that. He's growing and learning as a person. He's watching the environment around him. He's learning from his experiences and he's helping his friends. 
Yep. Uh, I would say this is uh, justice for Townie Xander, and I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> yes. This is a Townie moment. Yes. So, okay. So, Buffy and Oz have, like, a little moment where they, you know, whatever. They have a little exchange. Uh, um, my note is Oz is fixing his cage, and it's hot. And it's true. This is the mm. second time we've, like, because uh, this reminds me of when we, like, got the spike reveal like, a couple <laughs> episodes ago. Yes. Where, like, Another blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you have a blowtorch and a face mask, I'm like, that's hot. I don't know why. Uh, I, will, I will examine it on my own time. I will ask my therapist about it. But uh, as it is right now, I had to write down, so Oz is fixing his cage. It's hot. You know what? You know, you make a really solid point, Joanna, because we're only six episodes into this season. And we've already gotten Oz with a Oz with a blowtorch, Spike with a blowtorch, and Giles with a chainsaw. And I say that is a lot of hot men with power tools for six episodes and I'm here for it. I don't think this is a spoiler. I don't know if I'm on this episode, but I will just say uh, we <laughs> might have Yahtzee when we get to the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> so wait for the Yahtzee. Yahtzee. Oh, uh, shit. And the episode that I believe oh, is fuck. called Pangs. So, yeah. Oh, so soon. It's just right around yeah. the bend. Um, okay, so fuck. So then there's this montage scene of Oz in bed, Willow with her witches, which I like, and Veruca sucking, which is my note. But Veruca is like playing music, but at the bronze, and the bronze is empty. So I don't know if the bronze allows for rehearsal space, if that's what we're to believe. It looks, yeah, well, at first when she was playing, I was like, what kind of gig is it during the fucking day, Veruca? Yes. And then I saw that the chairs were up i was like oh this is band practice okay, right I right guess. so i guess the bronze is is very uh generous with their time is what we're learning they're just well like, there was do you remember that sadness montage from season three where like <laughs> oz is playing his guitar on the yes! table at the bronze yes like, we were like does he just have keys like why is he there i don't yeah. understand so you know i guess the owners of the bronze are like super chill with the with the teens of sunnydale just using their space on the <laughs> off guess, hours is what we're so. to believe and at the end of this montage scene we see oz calling someone and i wrote in all caps even though i knew the answer joanna who is he calling what the fuck Ugh. and he calls her he calls her on the phone on the phone <laughs> But I just, I feel like I would have been here more for this arc if we didn't have so many moments of Oz not being a wolf and doing these things. Like, he calls her on the phone when he is a human boy, and he says, you need to come. And, and he justifies it for himself. I'm sh like, I'm sure that's what he's doing in his Oz mind. Well, I don't want her to kill anybody, but he fucking knows what he's doing. Like, he knows. You can tell that he knows. He looks guilty from the beginning of this episode. He knows. And I just find it so hard to believe that he's going to pick up this phone and say, come and come, come to fucking yeah. 1427 Cage Lane. It's downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Right off Mausoleum Street. <laughs> oh, I don't oh buy God, it. This is so funny. Um, yeah. On the one hand, I don't buy it. On the other hand, I think it's good to not let him completely. I think it's good to not just be like, oh, this is yeah. wolf. He has no control. You know, like I think it's good to hold him accountable, which is something that uh, there is one moment in this episode where I like do. I don't know about like Veruca, but I am with her. 
So okay. We'll get there. Yes. I Okay. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we're in the cage. We get to the fucking cage. You know, Veruca comes in, like, and he's like, you'll be safe. And she's like, not from you. And then she's like, I sensed you. Did you sense me? And the whole time I just am wanting to throw up all over the cage and all over both of their faces. And <laughs> and then this is this like this is another moment. This is like you picked up the phone and you called her when you were a human boy. And now you pulled her into the cage and you kissed her. And it's before you changed. And that that is the transgression, right? I mean, there's a couple of like major transgressions in this episode. One, you know, Oz not telling Willow right from the jump. Two, and not telling Buffy either. Yes. Buffy comes in. She's like, so two wild dogs. What do you say? And he's like, don't know. Right. Like yeah. that's fucked up. You lied twice. Yeah. And now you're, you're kissing this girl when you're a person and she's a person and you're not even wolves yet. And I, uh, it's real bad. It's real bad. And the only thing is that's worse than this is the hand CGI. (laughs) That, uh, (laughs) they're like Jack and Rose moment. They're Titanic, Titanic moment, but with wolf hands. (laughs) Yes. It's like a a slow crossfade from human to wolf hands with, of course, one of the wolf hands having very nicely manicured fingernails because she's Sure, sure. She's a lady. (laughs) She's a lady werewolf. Yeah, this is... Um, Well, and and then, but like what I do like about it is that uh, Willow calls them out in the exact, in the next scene when she like shows up. Mm Mm-hmm. Baruka gives her the shitty look and I hate her. Um, yes. And and Willow's like, he's like, you know, I had to do, he's like, I had to do something, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, could have told Buffy, but your solution is lock her in a cage where we're definitely going to fuck just the two of us. Like, right. she, she's exactly right that like, like he's, he has this like excuse that he's made for himself of like, this is all I could do. When in reality, like he just wanted to like have sex with her again. Yes. Like, that's, that's just true. And, and this is the moment where like, I don't, I don't hate Veruca with everything I have when she was like, she has a point, yeah. you know? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, he like roars at her, like, get out. I'm like, Oz, you're not the good guy in this. She's no. not entirely the bad guy in this moment. And you're not our good guy at all. Totally. You know I mean? so. Totally. And I, I actually, I want to play this sound clip of this scene because it's, oh, the three points that we hit of Willow's line, Veruca's line, and Oz's line is real good. So let's just go there real quick. I didn't have a choice. But you did. If you could have told somebody, your your solution just put you two together in a room all night. Girl's got a point. Leave. I'm just saying. So, fuck. You know, and I agree with you 100%, Joanna. Like, Oz is trying to redeem himself in this moment, and he is not redeemable. Also, in this scene, just, like, want to give a moment to the opening moment. Uh, where Willow walks in and she has like a slushy or whatever the fuck, like a drink. And she in brought her... him coffee and donuts. Coffee, right. Ugh. And she just drops everything and her fucking face. And you, Joanna, you've been on episodes with us before we talk about Willow um, yeah. and like what the kind of hold that Willow has on us as an audience. And I want to say that I think this is the darkest we've gotten with Willow um, and the, the saddest I've felt for Willow. Just like when you see her face seeing this scene and just not believe, like like all of us, right? Like we're all watching, we're not believing it. We're watching Willow not believe it. It's just devastating. 
The thing that Allison Hannigan can do, which she does, like, especially after Veruca leaves and they keep talking and I'm glad that the episode brings up Xander and Willow in season mm-hmm. three and I'm glad it, like, addresses that, you know, all of the ways in which it addresses that uh, as, like, a parallel I think are good. But here's what Allison Hannigan can do, which is that she's weeping through all of this. Her eyes are just gushing tears. Her mm-hmm. She's doing the, like, the lip tremble thing, all of that that's devastating. But it's not stopping her from acting other things at the same time. Mm. And, like, that's really hard to do. I think a lot of people, like, I think actors, it's hard to convey sobbing while also carrying, like, anything else with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Allison Hannigan can just do this thing where her eyes just, like, leak. <laughs> her her <sighs> lip, her mouth trembles. You're so upset. But then she's also just, like, hitting all these other grace notes at the same time. And, uh... <laughs> I have to say, this is another failing of this episode. You know I love Seth Green. Mm -hmm. You know I love Oz as a character. I don't think Seth Green is actually terribly good at uh, a lot of modulations. And that's sort of been Oz's hallmark. And so there are things that he is asked to play in this episode that I don't think as an actor he is quite entirely up for. Yeah, And so, you know, in when he has to do like sweet and loving, when he has to do like sort of stoic, when he has to do dry, like I think he can do all of those things. I think that's one of the things that make Oz so charming. But when he has to do like overcome with lust or overcome with grief or all yeah. this sort of stuff, I think Seth Green doesn't quite match at least what Allison is bringing. And totally. so, uh, but, it, but she's bringing so much that uh, it, it gets there. For right, me, so. right. She almost brings it for the both of them enough yeah. for us to kind of forgive that. But I agree. And I like, I sort of had a note about that towards the end uh, or at the end when, well, we'll get there, but where I felt the same way, where I was sort of like waiting for a little bit more um, from his Yeah, at the very of, end. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this scene, I just, again, I'm like, Oz, why are you not telling the truth? Um, and then the, the one of the last lines in the scene is from Willow where she's talking about like, you, you know, you wanted her in an animal way. Did you want her more than you wanted me? Um, which is just yeah. fuck man. Ah, the whole thing. And then, you know, obviously like Willow leaves in a, in a trance and this is so believable. I think like, the whole uh, Willow's whole arc is like spot on is just like the way that she's coping or, or probably a better way to say it is like not coping yeah. with what she's just witnessed and that she's like sort of walking right into traffic. Like I buy every beat of it. Um, <laughs> and there's Riley again, of course, uh, saving. And Willow. I say he is very condescending. Like, I don't like, yes. this. like, I, like, I, you know, I don't think you look at Will- what Willow's going on with Willow right there and say like, this is a person like really actively trying to hurt herself. I agree. This is a, this is a person who's like, doesn't know what they're doing. You right. Know? She didn't like throw herself in front of a car. She just like sort of walked out into traffic because she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. And like, that's different. And so for Riley to be like, whatever it is, is not worth hurting yourself. I'm like, I, why are you, you're doing a nice thing and I hate you. I'm like, <laughs> you, you really should take her home. And I'm like, yeah, she's on it. Don't worry. Buffy's got this. Right? Thank you, Riley. We Thank didn't you for your need, service. We yeah. did not need your advice. I agree. No. I agree. This is why Jenny and I have a deep, deep dissonance in our yeah. Riley opinions because everything he says, I'm like, dude, you're just saying shit that people already know and you're saying it louder and manlier and I'm not here for it. I'm not. Thank yeah. you for saving Willow. I will I will appreciate you for that. But everything else, goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is another thing that that uh, Willow does in the next when they're back in their room. 
is something or that Allison Hannigan does, which mm-hmm. she uh, <laughs> this is this is the moment I, I'm a crier. I'm a big crier. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a fan of it. I do it. Um, there's this feeling you get when you've like cried yourself out, where you feel like tired and hollow and sort of dazed. And Allison Hannigan is just like giving that to me yes. in the scene so much, where she's just like scooped out, you know, and she's just sitting there, ah. and Buffy's talking to her, and she's just like she's just cried her little guts out and there's nothing in there for her anymore and uh, scooped so out scooped yeah. out is such a great fucking phrase joanna that is exactly it scooped out she really is um and and i actually i forgot that the scene was gonna go where the scene went because i was like with her i was like oh yeah she, i guess she is fine i mean she's not fine but she's like not there um that i actually forgot that the scene continued um and that she sort of is like put put the blame where it belongs and then I'm going to take a turn here. And so, I mean, this is probably where most of us would go in Willow's position. Should we have the power that Willow had? Um, she gets up and she goes to her fucking magic drawer. Certainly something Amy would do, right? Hell yes. This is. I mean, I think this is the Amyest that Willow has gotten to yeah. date, right? And mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of one of my notes later is Willow's getting some dark magic. Like, she's mm-hmm. really getting dark in this episode. They, we have books oh, yeah. floating. We have pictures that are about to go into flame. Like, she calls on Barabbas. Satanus and the <laughs> devil. And then I wrote, yeah. not not great, Bob. Uh, so like, <laughs> I don't understand why you need to call on Satanus and the devil. That seems overkill. <laughs> overkill. <laughs> but that's what she does, right? So, yeah. Right. And and you know, before we get right into the magic scene, there's this Buffy and Oz moment, which I mm. really like. I I just I I like. The Buffy, I like Buffy in this episode, you know, and you mentioned this, like that Buffy is sort of standing up and Xander is standing up in this episode. And I think this is yeah. one of those moments where Buffy like shows the fuck up. She knows what's gone on with Oz and she's not here for his shit. And she's just like, you know, now might be a time for your trademark stoicism. Perfect like, line. Right. Perfect line. Yeah. A fucking perfect line. And just like says what she needs to say. Like, don't I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Show me where this fucking I girl know. is. I love that they show up and they don't even need to talk about it. Yeah. She's just like, where is she? He's like, I don't know. Like, not like, who? Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, it's like, yes. Yes. no, we don't need to talk about it. Let's just go and do some stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So then we get into it, right? Like, this is the scene where they're after Veruca. And, of course, the foil, the always, come on, guys. Uh, she's, she's left her clothes in the forest because um, she's never wearing any clothes. <laughs> and A she's led you decoy off decoy the- pile of clothes. Yes. Uh, and, Love a girl. Uh, uh, and yeah. Willow, like, uh, God knows what would have happened had Willow gotten through this spell. I mean, I really, I wouldn't, I don't want to know, but... Um, she sees Oz in this in the picture and she can't do it. She can't do the spell because she sees him and she loves him. She puts down the fucking picture and then fuck us all, Veruca's here in the fucking chemistry classroom lab or wherever we are. And she won't stop rolling her neck, is my first complaint. Like super weird. She won't like what is that? I guess you're right. Maybe this actress kind of like did a lot of animal study and that's why she like sat <laughs> more hunched. So. I'm like, I don't know, but I don't yeah. I don't like it to stop rolling your neck. Um and Oz gets there and fucking oh, we should mention why Buffy's not there. She got like uh waylaid right. by, by a commando. <laughs> I can I wonder what that's all about. We sure hmm. have seen those commandos a lot. Huh. I guess it's just a weird thing we'll never find out about ever. ROTC, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. 
in the lab or wherever the fuck we are, we get seen. It's like a scene where they're half werewolf and then they're full werewolf. And I am. You know, listen, listen. Some people see the world (laughs) half wolf. Some of them see it as half human. I wrote they fight as half humans than as full wolves. So I guess we just figured out what kind of people we are. So I want to ask your listeners, are you the type of people who see this and say, huh, half human? Or do you say, huh, half wolf? Oh, that's good. That's good. And then he he fucking kills her. He bites her neck. Yes. Oh my God, he killed her is my note. Like I, yeah. I've seen the episode more than one time and yet I kind of forgot that this is a, speaking of faith, this is like a very faith moment. Like this is faith killing Alan in the alleyway and being like, oh fuck. I mean. And it's I, not even like, it's not even like, oops. Right. Uh, oh, I was defending Willow and then, oh, I, like something happened and then she died, which is like the cop out death for a lot of like Disney villains or whatever. It's yeah. Like your, hero, your hero can't be seen killing a villain. Yeah. So like, oops, they stumbled off a cliff or whatever. Uh, but no, he fully bites her neck out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. And so like Willow Ugh. has all, all that trauma. So Willow is like threatened, like heartbroken, threatened by this bitch. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And then has to like watch her boyfriend kill someone. Right. Which is like, it's like almost what you'd want. Like you like, right. It's like in the, in the mind that in the mindset that you're in, when you're this, your love, your true love has like gone and like had sex with somebody else. And you've witnessed it. You like, you want to see this person, like just die, go away. But then like the visceralness of the scene of like, actually that's actually what happened is that like he killed her and Willow watched it. And so Willow is, I mean, in shock for sure and destroyed on a level that is, Uh, probably not understandable by most people on this planet. And we get this moment of Buffy holding Willow, which is really the same scene that we saw when Willow held Buffy after Angel left. Um, That was in Buffy's bed. And now this is on the floor of a classroom, but it's like very, very much the same scene. And the crying is very much the same of just devastation in them supporting each other and i mean you know in this moment it's buffy supporting willow but we've seen this reversed and it's really beautiful it's it's just a really beautiful moment for their friendship and of course devastating at the same time the episode that underlines that in the in the next scene where buffy's giving giles this like a commando download but then she you know she's like you know i've never seen willow like this blah blah blah. and he's like well you know you went through something similar and yeah you were okay so you know let's let's have faith in in willow that she can get through this yeah and uh it sets us up for the final scene right Uh, nobody wants to talk about it this is like i have a good friend of mine um watches the family stone uh and she turns it off (laughs) before the end (gasps) oh yeah yeah if you just stop the family stone at the right moment, you get a happy movie. And you don't you just don't have to and that's how I feel about this episode. It's just like maybe we should just shut it off before I guess it wouldn't be a happy movie anyway, um, for this episode. But this scene is <laughs> And then Oz is just gone and you're like, I wonder where I wonder, I- yeah, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> but this uh this scene is just the realest in the worst way. Um like I'm going and then Willow saying, Don't I get any say in this? Like, right? Fucking hell. Like, she doesn't. And she doesn't. He says no. You don't. He just just simply says no. 
Right. You know, it's like, it's harsh, but it's like true. And, um, mm-hmm. and I like that Willow plays this anger beat, but this sort of like, like a dismissive anger beat before where she goes, that's your solution. You know, like sort of like, fuck you. That's your solution. He's like, no, it's my decision. You know? Yeah. And it's just like that exchange is really good. And once again, as we like alluded to before, I think Allison Hannigan's bringing it a thousand percent. And I think Seth Green is bringing it as much as he can, but it, he can't, he can't meet her. He doesn't have quite the chops to do yeah. it. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because, you know, when we get, when we work towards the end of this, I mean, we get this scene where her face is just soaking wet and like you believe it too it's like you it's not one of those scenes where you're like oh I guess maybe the you know they put like some water on her face it's like I believe that Allison Hannigan has just bawled her fucking eyes out do that she can just leak from her eyeballs yes uh and then she says and I I like I can hear this right now as I read Mm -hmm. the words off the paper which is just Oz don't you love me just like the way she says it Mm -hmm. don't you love me My whole life, I've never loved anything else. It's it's good writing. It's iconic. I think Buffy writing. Yeah. Um. You know. But but as you say, like then there's this shot of him getting into his van and like he's just not delivering to me what I want from him in that scene. And I know that Oz is a stoic dude, but like. I, I I mean I almost wonder uh, if they like tried some takes where he breaks yeah. down crying and like it just wasn't it just didn't land and they're like okay let's just do this instead you know I I agree I feel like yes I mean like I I have to believe that what they wanted here was for him to lose it because yeah. that like that's the that's what the whole scene is setting us up for he gets in that car he goes to start the fucking ignition he can't start the ignition and you like we I think we all know that what we're supposed to be seeing right is like him losing it and yeah yeah i would love to know that too if anybody know if anybody's got the inside scoop i would love to know if they did some takes where they attempted that but yeah oz is off because he doesn't know where the wolf in him ends and the person in him begins uh and he just needs to go out in the forest or whatever and like figure it out but people kind of a worldwide epidemic (laughs) yeah um yeah i um and, and this is what I want to say, you know, like I've been very pro Oz and pro Seth Green this entire podcast. So I don't want like any of your listeners to take this the wrong way. But I just right. I do think that there's a difference between, you know, a, a charismatic appealing performer, which is what Seth Green is. He's like very appealing in other things like Can't Hardly Wait, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, a, a an actor with a tremendous amount of range. And yeah, just because he's not the second doesn't mean I don't still think he's the first. I do. You know, totally. And and I'm like devastated that he left the show. I, I, in my heart, Oz never should have left the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like, yeah, keep him as a recurring character. I don't like, I don't like that explanation that Joss like didn't think that he could be like, why the F not? Right. Anyway, I agree. Um, I agree. But yeah, I wonder where we shall go. You know where we should go before we wrap this episode, actually, Joanna, is we should cut real quick to Jenny, uh, who will hopefully bring us some levity with a sexual attention award. We'll announce the winners from Beer Bad and get us some new nominees for this episode. Hello, friends. It's me, your pal, Jenny Owen Youngs, with this episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Before we get into Wild at Heart, let's talk about Beer Bad for a second. Coming in 
tied in last place, we have Xander and his lighter and mmm, frat boys and the sound of their own voices. Yes, yes, yes. Coming in at second place with 17% of the vote, we have Buffy and foamy, foamy, foamy beer. And coming in way in first place with 57% of the vote, we have Willow and Feminism. Hell yeah. You'll note that in the Twitter poll, Kristen used the emoji of the girl floofing her hair and then a middle finger for this pairing of Willow and Feminism. You're welcome. Now for the episode at hand. Wild at Heart is a rough episode, especially for sexual tension, but don't worry, I dug deep and I found some solid pairings for you to vote on. First up, we've got... Veruca and her microphone. Gosh, she gets so intimate with that piece of metal. Next up, we've got Willow and Buffy's academic excellence. She's really into it. Also, how about at the very beginning in the cold open, Spike and villainous monologuing from afar. He seems really, really happy. Happier than I can remember seeing him while he is going off about how Buffy had better watch or back right before he, of course, gets electrocuted. And last but not least, we've got Xander paired up with Thrift. He is in a uh, landlord-tenant dispute with his mom. He's not paying rent, and he's really into saving that money. So please cast your votes, make your voice heard in this beautiful democracy of ours. We will be posting the poll on Twitter. We are at BufferingCast. I have been and shall continue to be Jenny Owen Youngs. Thanks for joining me for this segment of the Sexual Tension Awards. Okay, so uh, what do we have any? Are we all just heartbroken? Did Jenny save us with the Sexual Tension Award nominees? I, I feel better. I <laughs> she said the word foamy. I feel <laughs> happier. Uh, I'm certain. I'm certain that she did. Uh, I yeah, this is a really really heartbreaking episode, and um, I think beautifully done in in many ways. I'm I'm glad that we had Marty Knoxon for this episode. I think she yeah. she delivered for us as she does. All right, Joanna, thank you so much for um, walking us through this heartbreak together. Uh, I was happy to have you here as we as we journeyed through Willow losing Oz. Um, and will you tell all of the good people where they can find you? Well, listen, if you love the writing of Marty Knoxon on this episode, mm-hmm. then you might want to try watching uh, one of the new shows she has going right now over on HBO called Sharp Objects. And if you do that, fuck yeah, it's very good. And if you do that, then you might want to listen to a podcast I'm doing that's running with Sharp Objects called Still Watching Colon Sharp Objects that I'm doing through Vanity Fair with the great Richard Lawson. Uh, we had an interview with uh, Gillian Flynn who wrote Gone Girl and the book Sharp Objects on the podcast this last week. Oh no, this will have been weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, check it out. Um, it's, a, it's a really good show on HBO. A lot of good, dark, twisty, like trademark knocks and stuff going on there so amazing uh you can hear me talk about there otherwise you can find me on twitter at i wrote this or on the other my other podcast storm of spoilers god marty Knoxon just like doing all the good shit forever you know like she's just always got her hands in the good pots she she like has a lot to say about women and their dark places hell yes hell yes uh and as you know uh, I am Kristen Russo. You can find out uh, all of the things that I'm doing when I'm not speaking to Joanna Robinson or Jenny O'Neill about Buffy the Vampire Slayer at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And Joanna, not to take you by surprise, but uh, I have a jingle 
for my name now. So I'm just going to play the jingle because I think it's going to be the first time that we play it uh, for everybody right now. Kristen with an I, N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Thank you so much, Jenny, for making me... For making me the song that I've always been due. Uh, you can learn about my work with LGBTQ communities over there. And obviously that spelling, which you'll never forget now that it's memorialized in a jingle, uh, can also get you to my Twitter and my Instagram handles. Uh, and you can, of course, send us all of your feedback over at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. You can follow us at bufferingcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on Facebook. And of course... You can support what we're doing here over on Patreon. Uh, you can go to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com, and you can find out about Patreon. You can also review and rate the podcast on iTunes, or you can just like go on over to our store, also found via our website, and get yourself some sweet new merchandise that like smashes the patriarchy and does all sorts of other fun Buffy-related things. Uh, I think I did it. I think I said all the things, Joanna. So now I'm going to say the line that will get us to our howl. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Until next time. Uh, so so appropriate this week. Like I felt like, you know, it's it's, it's truly the wolfiest week we've had. Ah, uh, there's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.